It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Welcome to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. As per usual, make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Very quickly before we get going here, just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. It stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. Of course, with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports, lots of prizes to be won in hockey. We've got the NFL on the weekends, NBA, golf, MMA. Lots of stuff going on. Major League Baseball once that gets going again. So if you're going to sign up today, do so responsibly and make sure to use promo code THPN right now. The Edmonton Oilers currently crushing it in the Pacific Division, standing atop the division. Best winning percentage in hockey coming off a huge win over the Pittsburgh Penguins on Wednesday night. We're going to discuss that and a whole lot more when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers with Dash in the Park. You may know him on Twitter as at Dash in the Park. He is one of the co-hosts of the Straight Off the Pipe podcast, which you can hear on the Heavy Hockey Network. Dash, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, glad we could make this work. Uh, Struddy and I hopped on your podcast a couple weeks ago. It was a lot of fun, so I'm glad you could uh, return the favor and hop on with me today. We're going to talk all about the Edmonton Oilers. i got a wide variety of things I want to ask you about when it comes to this hockey team, some on ice, some off the ice, but... What I like to do when I have a, a guest on for the first time, especially one who, who covers the team or, you know, is focused on the team, I gotta ask, how did it all begin for you? Was, was it the young Dash in the 80s following this, this dynasty or, or was it later than that? How did it all come to be? Yeah, it was Papa Dash and Mrs. Dash and we were all on the couch at the same time. I was born with an Oilers onesie on and, and have worn it ever since. So that's, uh, not a super exciting story other than it's just, <laughs> You know, been my passion ever since I uh, I, I was uh, able to watch hockey and enjoy it. I um, you know, still am passionate about the team and and uh, I'm a passionate fan, a season ticket holder, and yeah, having some fun now, starting to uh, discuss the team a lot more and the way they play. Given that we're doing our own podcast, and I gotta say, uh, the other Connor podcast is absolutely one of my favorites. It's a must go to for me. I, I think your content's awesome. You got great guests, and other than when it's not me, you've got great guests. <laughs> no, no, no. We're gonna continue the trend of, of great guests with you today on the show. So, did you uh, did you get to experience the the '80s Oilers? Like that's that's one of the things. Whenever I talk to some of the guys we've had on, and you know, a lot of guys that cover the team now as a profession it was like yeah i watched this team when i was younger watched them win stanley cups and and that's how it all began did you get to see that or 
Were you like me in the the early to mid nineties? Were your your t- childhood team? I'm in my mid forties, so I, I definitely got to enjoy that, which was um, a treat. It was one of the things that my dad actually, you know, kind of said to me back then. Um, keep your eye on this hockey. He was, you know, an athlete and a hockey player enough to realize that what was happening in the eighties with the Oilers was special. You know, they were bringing over Europeans and changing the way the game was played and, and bringing in this, you know, track meet style of, of uh, up and down the ice and creating chances through speed and transition, just like our current Oilers. Um, so, you know, I, I had a keen eye then and, and continued to uh, just be, you know, mindful of that, given what my dad had said. And, and uh, yeah, we didn't get to see anything live, per se. Um, didn't have any anything at the rink, but we watched every single game at home and uh, lived in Saskatchewan at that time. So I've been in Alberta and Edmonton now since uh, 2005. Uh, I was a season ticket holder for the 2006 Cup run, so got to see that entire thing live and uh, pretty much every great other moment since then. So. I love it. I love it. I, I'm, I'm always envious. Like, uh, I kind of joke with my parents. Like, I wish I, you know, you could have had me five years earlier. So I at least could have caught the, the tail end of the, the, the 1991 and understood it just a little bit more because, man, that, the, those scenes were so good. We did a feature on uh, the greatest dynasties in the NHL and I got a chance to talk to some guys who covered the team back then, played on the roster. And it was like, my goodness, how fun would Edmonton have been back then? I guess in Saskatchewan, you didn't quite get to quite live up to it as well. But uh, either way, here we are today, 2021, the Edmonton Oilers having such a great start to this season. Um, Wednesday night, the big win over the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team that they've historically struggled playing up against. Just how big do you think that win was for the Oilers, being able to take down a team like the Penguins and a face like Sidney Crosby? Yeah, huge. Huge. And to do it in the way that they did it, Connor. Right? I think like to be able to, you know, have Crosby and McDavid looking at each other for the opening face-off, just like they have, you know, year after year, and and have it turn out this way, where he's playing against his childhood hero and comes out of the game plus five with a goal and three assists, and his childhood hero comes out dash four. Um, you know, that, that's that's great for McDavid. That's great for the team. We won in in a different way again, right? I, I think now this is. Uh, you know, a, a game that was really cyclical, energy-wise, I thought. Like, it was, it was really slow, and then all of a sudden I was on the edge of my seat for 10 minutes, and then it was really slow, and then I was on the edge of my seat for 10 minutes, and, and given that, we, we still pulled it off, you know, some solid goaltending again. That was maybe Coffin's two best games of the year back-to-back, and well-timed, given we've got four rookie defensemen that jumped in. And you know what? Um, I saw you tweeted it. They held their own. You know, I think they got a lot of pressure. They lost a few board battles, but to me, I, I thought that I thought that Barry and and uh, Russell might have struggled more than the four rookies did. Oh yeah, I, I would I would agree with you a hundred percent. And you know that that's uh, some veterans on this Penguins team that would have taken notice and let it be known throughout the lineup. Like, hey boys, this is a young blue line. Get after them, put pressure on them. Let's see what happens. And yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't perfect, but I, I thought the Oilers did a very good job in that aspect. And you know, one of the things that I really did like from that game, heading into the third period, you're down or sorry, you're tied two two. And, you know, you don't back down. You you show up and you score three goals in the third period. To me, that's just a sign of this team starting to develop that killer instinct, knowing that when the game's on the line, it's time to produce. And they started to do it last night. Yeah, found the ability to dig in. And Yamamoto scoring another game winner. Hey, that's uh, five goals on the year and three game winners for Yamamoto. Um, so, you know, timely goals from places they needed it. And I'll, and I'll tip my hat, no pun intended, to tip it a little bit because... <laughs> 
I think, you know, he's, he put the lines in the blender again, and uh, this is, you know, another good output where he got guys off the Schneider. You know, there was the game where he, you know, started switching the lines around, put JP down to the third line, and all of a sudden he's got clutch goals from guys that need them, like Nuge and JP and Hyman in that game, and he uh, did some shuffling on the right wing this game, and then Yavel pops one right when they need it. So, it's just great to see all around. I thought it was a nice team win. I thought the defense held their own. I thought the forwards, you know, is just enough. Um, you know, getting out hit 45-15 in that game, that's that's a – you said it, man. That, that's a Pittsburgh experienced team that went after a young defense and, and, and tried to get them to cough up the puck. They did a few times, but, but Koskinen and held us in when we needed it. Now, when you look at Zach Hyman, like, I think we all knew year one, two, three of this contract would be great. And it was maybe the term that turned some people off. But going back to the offseason, what was your thoughts when the Oilers finally made the uh, the deal with Zach Hyman to bring him over from Toronto? And just how has he lived up to your expectations? Uh, my best friend's a Detroit, uh, pardon me, a Detroit. My best friend's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and, and so he immediately told me how much we were going to love him and how much he was going to miss him. Um, his, his one line that I'll never forget before the season even started is, it doesn't matter what line you put him on, he'll make his teammates better. And, and that's really come through for me, and I think that's what I see is it doesn't matter what opportunity he's put in and what line he's put on. Others around him get better. Um, they see his hustle. They they see his energy. They see his passion, and, and I think it's uh, contagious. And, you know, you see his line mates starting to work harder and and dig for pucks the same way. Um, even on the defensive side of the puck, uh, I thought you could see it last night. You know, Connor McDavid is um, the, the first two goals the others scored were very similar in the fact that Connor McDavid came back on defense, and, and both both times Hyman was back there hustling. Connor McDavid came back and stripped the puck from Gessel on both of those first two goals. And the only reason they got offensive opportunities up the ice with Hyman was because of those defensive plays. So I think that gets, you know, addictive. That 200-foot game gets addictive. And, you know, as far as what we've seen, that 21-game sample size, we certainly can't be disappointed with what we have from Hyman. Um, I'd love to have a crystal ball and see what that looks like in your four or five corner, but I'm just enjoying the moment right now. Yeah, and I love what you say about the 200-foot game. And, like, that... I coached soccer for a long time, and it's so much easier to coach when you have an example of something done right and how it works out. And I just imagine yeah. Dave Tippett sitting in the boys down for film and like, hey, look at this. Like, this yeah. is perfection. We work our ass off on defense, and it's going to result in offense going the other way. So that, that was a very good point by you there. Uh, well, I think I'm, a lot of people struggle with uh, the idea or the concept of how – how can a player that's playing harder defensively or more defense or deeper in his own end get more offensive opportunities? Right? And I think McDavid proved it right there. If he's, if he's cheating the blue line or cheating the zone there instead of back checking hard on that opportunity, he doesn't strip guys below the puck. They don't get the puck and they don't get to go up ice. Mm-hmm. So that 200 foot game that Eisenman had to learn, that Ovechkin eventually had to learn, I, I see McDavid really playing a lot better on, on that side of the puck this year. Yeah, and I mean, when you have his ability to skate, like toss it up to the red line in four strides, he's caught up yeah. in the place. So that's definitely a, a benefit as well. I'm going to ask you about Jesse Pugliarvi on the third line in a second, but I want to just ask you about uh, Zach Cassie and what you thought of his play up top and just, I guess, the, the versatility that he brings in the lineup despite the fact that he can be pretty hot and cold. Yeah, you said it right there. What, what else can I say? He's hot and cold. Um, I, I think that Tippett is learning how to push the buttons. You know, he, he got an opportunity on the top line, and he, he absolutely came through and saved. That was a fantastic game. Um, you know, uh, we need that physicality. He, he brings that, you know, Brian Burke 
truculence to uh, to our lineup, and it's a unique intangible that we don't have from a lot of the other Oilers. You know, I get these rumors out there about Jake DeBrusk or Cassian, and then uh, that scares me because I, I think that you know DeBrusk doesn't have anything that's a lot more unique than what we already have, whereas Cassian does have that. So uh, yeah, the versatility is great. It's, it's great to be able to. Um, put him on the top line because to what you said, it allows us to put JP on the third line. And, you know, it's not a demotion. I think that JP in doing that, I think he took the responsibility on like it was an assignment and and it's come through. He brought some defensive responsibility to that third line. And I think he was driving his own line for, for some of that game against Vegas. Oh yeah, and I mean, and that's what Dave Tippett said after, like, you know, the, the narrative on, on social media and maybe out there from fans or spectators, whatever, whatever it might be, is that it's a demotion, but he thinks that Jesse Pugliarvi can drive a line, and if he can drive a line, why not let him do it on the third, third line and, and get that depth throughout the scoring? Just, you know, referencing the old Penguins dynasty that we saw a few years ago when they had, uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Stahl, right? You had three drivers on the lines and, and it worked out so well for them. I don't yeah. think the Oilers have that down the middle. Obviously the top two lines for sure, but if Jesse Pugliarvi can drive that third line and, and, you know, go up against lower quality and things like that, playing, you know, other teams, uh, maybe not top defenders. I mean, I, I think yeah. that's a win-win for the whole team, especially if Cassian can contribute in that top six. How good would our top three centers look if your friend Jason, if our friend Jason Strudwick is right about uh, Jeff Carter? <laughs> that that is the name that he threw out there. Um, I, I would love that, and I, you know, I know I know he had a little bit of an issue with going to was it Columbus a couple of years ago, and kind of made us think about that. Maybe Edmonton's not the ideal situation, but if, if he's watching that game last night, like he was. Wow. I mean, that, this would be a great fit and be a lot of fun to play with a team like the Edmonton Oilers. I, I feel like if you were a veteran trying to take one last run, I mean, there, there's other options, obviously, and maybe Tampa would be a team you might like to go to, but the Edmonton Oilers yeah. have to be high up on that list, don't you think? Oh, you think so, and I'm not sure Pittsburgh's going to want to deal with Tampa. Oh, yeah, good point, good point. Why why help out uh, someone you're going to you know, see in the playoffs, right? There, so. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'd like to pie in the sky, Getzlaff, Eric Stahl. You know, I think being able to play Derek Ryan on the fourth line and, and have a veteran third-line center like that would, would be a, a really nice addition. Well, since we're talking about additions here, uh, what do you think of Dylan Holloway? I know we've had Craig Button on the Jason Greger show a lot, and, you know, he's never really wavered in the last year that he thinks Dylan Holloway when healthy, when he gets his feet under him after some time in the AHL, is ready to jump, make that jump to the NHL. And I mean, I don't know what position you'd find him in, but when it comes to Dylan Holloway, what's your uh, what's your opinion on that? I think he's got a tremendous potential. Um, I think we've got an NHL player there for sure. I think he's a bottom six player, um, maybe someone that can you know slot up into the top six. Um, I've watched him play a few Condors games too. I, I try to get in as many of those as I can, and you know, I as far as where he would slot, I'd say that's where it is. But ultimately, you know, our, our goal at the end of this year is to raise a Stanley Cup or at least to get to a Cup final or a conference final. And I'm just not sure we can do that with uh, Ryan McLeod or Dylan Holloway in that slot. And if they play fourth line center and we push Derek Ryan up to the Derek Ryan up to the third line, I'm, eh, I'd really like to see some sort of addition at the trade line for a third line center. Um, but I think Holloway's slated for next year and ready to go. Oh, I am with you 100%. If Derek Ryan drops down to the fourth line, you're in just such a better position. Um, I'll stick with the fourth line, and, you know, this is a guy, it sucks because I was rooting for him. I wanted him to to find a way to kind of get a hold and a spot on the Oilers' NHL roster, but Tyler Benson last night against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, 
6.41, time on ice, uh, took an absolutely terrible penalty. Just, you know, I don't know what he was trying to do, maybe a little flyby. He just runs right into Tristan Jari. Uh, what have your thoughts been on Tyler Benson this year? Well, that penalty just gave me immediate flashbacks of what was it, four or five games ago when he took back-to-back penalties seven seconds apart in the offensive end. Yeah. Right? It feels like Marc-Andre Pouliot all over again, that just like, every time you've got it. A decent flow going in a game. He goes and takes a stupid penalty in the offensive zone. But, um, you know, that's, I, I'm a huge Tyler Benson fan. I have been since he, you know, played with the Southside Athletic Club in Edmonton. I, I think that he's, he's a kid that's living out his Edmontonian dream here and has an opportunity to do so. Um, you know what, Connor, hasn't he just been an exactly what a young player is? You know, he's done well in his opportunities in the AHL. When called up, he's He's been okay, but he's made mistakes. Um, but I like his versatility. I, you know, I think that he's got a high hockey IQ, which allows him to still allow you to play a guy like that on the fourth line. Um, yeah, it's going to take some time. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you can score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Do you look at it and say that, you know, they're winning games? You know, despite him only playing six minutes and, and making some mistakes, you mentioned the hockey IQ. Like, I, I see that. Like, he, he's trying to make an impact on the game and he's trying to do those things. But when you're playing six minutes, it's obviously tough to do. Like, do you think the fact yeah. that they're winning, Coach Tippett has a little bit more of a, a longer leash on him here? Like, okay, try to work through these things, almost similar to what he allowed uh, Kyrie Yamamoto to do on the second line earlier on in the season. Yeah, I think that's what's happening for sure, which is kind of amazing because Dave Tippett does not have a leash for rookies at all. But um, let's be honest, the cards he's been dealt lately, he hasn't had much of a choice either. Um, I'm sure it kept Tippett up at night for the last week trying to figure out what kind of pairings he was going to put together against Pittsburgh and, and Vegas, knowing uh, that his entire left side of his decor was, was on the IR. So, um you know, I, I think he's uh, done well, given Benson that little bit of time that he has, but I think it's because of exactly what we just said. You know, I think he recognizes the hockey IQ. He recognizes the passion. His head's in the right place, and young players make mistakes. It's just the tip of leash and allowance for young players making mistakes is not very long. As we've learned in the past, uh, Ethan Barrett. I want to ask you about some of those young Oilers defensemen. I know you do watch Condor's games, so you've got a little bit of a grasp, but more so than most people do here. Uh, Marcus Niemelainen was a guy I actually spoke to on the podcast uh, about a year ago with Ryan Holt, the voice of the Condors, and you know he said, "Watch out for this guy." Like he had just suffered an injury, but he said, "Like he's trending in the right direction. He's an absolute beast. He loves to throw the body." Uh, last night he had five hits trying to make his presence known out there in only 10 minutes of ice time. I know Dave Tippett obviously trying to ease him into the lineup. It's quite the jump for him. But what were your thoughts on Mark Sneemalainen so far down there with the Condors and his debut for the Oilers last night? 
I was excited to see what he could do at an NHL level with his skill set. Um, you know, there's a lot of call-ups where you know that a young player is coming up and you can kind of expect what they're going to do. But this is a, a rare case, I think, because he's a rare player. He's a, he's a bit of a throwback. Um, you know, he, he plays that old-school type of hockey, which is probably after Adam Larson's departure exactly what we need, right? We've got a, a Samarukov and a, and a Nima Linen down there that are both playing a similar type of, type of game. Um, you know, Nima Linen's never been flashy. Um, I, I don't erase uh, on our hard drive World Junior games for years and years back. So, And I do that because I like to go back and look at how those guys played at the best of, you know, competition. And when I see him at six foot five and as lanky as he was in the World Juniors and, and fighting through injuries even then, um, but this is a guy that won a gold medal with Liney and Aho and, and Jesse Pelliarvi in the U18. So, um, you know, there's some nice uh, synergy there, bringing up one of Jesse's childhood friends to, to come and play on the team. And I thought he fared well. You know, he's, he's a big, big man at six five, six six, and and can skate like the wind for his size. Um, and, and he's steady. He, he just he's used in situations in Bakersfield where he Woodcroft needs somebody reliable. He, he's a uh, he's playing the last minutes of the game. He's playing the penalty kill. He likes to throw the body. Even though he's lanky, he's got a really good uh, center of gravity and, and great balance on his skates. Like you said, he can skate like the wind for his size. So um, you know, I, I thought he was good last night. I thought he did okay with the time. He made a mistake, probably panicking on. Uh, on the first goal that he iced there, um, which gave them a, a defensive zone face-off or an offensive zone face-off for the Penguins, which Crosby wins the draw. They have a set play, and they take advantage of And Getzel actually pushed off with Nemo Linen on the face-off, and Nemo Linen kind of lost his player for Getzel to be able to have the, the room to, to snipe that one, too. So I kind of put a little bit of, or a lot of the responsibility that first goal on him, but the rest of the game he played okay, and he backed him up, too. So, um uh, I, I thought he played well, and, and I, I think, you know, he'll take well from this experience, go back down to the Condors and, and keep doing what he's doing. Um, I think both him and Samarukov have a future potentially as a third line pairing with the Oilers. Yeah, you know, it, it's fun to see. Like, I, the Edmonton Oilers for a long time, I, I kind of questioned their development, and there was a lot of players being rushed. But, you know, you look as of late, and uh, they're, they're developing these guys so nicely, and and. You know, using it for trades. Uh, Ethan Bear, uh, Caleb Jones, obviously guys yeah. that they, they took their time with, uh, later round picks that developed quite nicely. So I think the Oilers, uh, development team, uh, down in Bakersfield, the management who selected these guys, like, they've done a very good job and I think they deserve some credit. Another guy, mm-hmm. Philip Roberg, who, uh, you know, didn't need as much development, obviously being a first round pick. Uh, he played, what, was it 23 minutes? Like, led the team in ice time on Saturday against Vegas. Uh, dropped down to, to, I believe, like 11 minutes on Wednesday night. But what have you made of his play? And, and do you think that uh, he's going back to the AHL later this season? Or, or has he done enough to keep that spot and maybe the third-pairing left defense? That's an excellent question. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not sure that I really have a, a feeling for it. Um, if you asked me three days ago after watching him, you know, he was a minute short of leading the Oilers a nice time against the Coyotes, too. So, you know, you put three of those games together, and, and he's probably the top minute muncher for the Oilers all of a sudden over the last three games. So um, that's pretty pretty intriguing. And again, in fourth NHL game, and he's playing on the wrong side, playing on yeah. the right side last night. So, you know, we're asking a lot out of a, a young kid, and I think that he's absolutely after the bell. 
um, you know, the Condors, to, to what you said a little bit earlier, you know, as much crap as Pete Shirelli gets in, in oil country, and deservedly so, the one thing that he did do, well, the two things that he did do, one is the dry saddle contract. The other <laughs> thing that he did do was draft it. And I think he, you know, he's always had that reputation and did well. And look at the guys like Caleb Jones and Bear that are bringing us return now. But the unique combination of Holland's patience coming in after Chiarelli's drafting has kind of actually served us quite well. You know, and you've got Holland that loves to keep those guys in, in the AHL and, and let them, you know, really um, develop and, and take their time. And uh, they've got one of the best coaches in the AHL, in my opinion, in Woodcroft, uh, teaching them systems. You know, the Congress have the best penalty kill in the NHL. Those guys come up and they play the same spirit in the AHL. They come up they play the same system in the NHL and they blend right in. I like that about the Leon Dreisaitl. I always kind of laughed when people got mad that they burned the first year of an entry-level deal, and I thought, you know what, it could be a benefit. Like, you you could sign him a year earlier than you would had he not burnt that, and looking at it, I mean, how much more would they have had to pay him? I mean, that, it's probably the best value contract. Well, I won't even say probably. Like, it is the best value contract, maybe outside Nathan McKinnon, yeah, who's going to get a payday soon. Yeah. Did we learn our lesson with Darnell Nurse? Yeah. If we would have just invested in Darnell Nurse when we could have, then we wouldn't have had to pay him what we're paying him. Right? It's just, it's just trusting your players and, and knowing that they're going to develop and what you need to. And, you know, we're kind of seeing it with Yamamoto and JP right now, too. Do we want to invest in them now or do we want to wait until we've got to overpay them? But the cap situation we've been in, in the last few years has handcuffed us. Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice when it works out like that. Uh, Dash, just a couple more questions for you here. Uh, Evan Bouchard, the four on four goal last night. Nice to see him jump up into the play. What do you think the ceiling is on for this kid? I know, I know it's hard to tell exactly like what he can become, but with that skill set, how good do you think he can be? Oh, uh, on the, you know, special teams wise, I think he could end up honestly being potentially, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, he did it in junior. If you go back and look at, you know, the points that Evan Bouchard put up in junior, I, I believe he's actually number one. Like he may have been the, had the highest scoring OHL career of all time, just ahead of Drew Doughty. So, you know, is the potential there? Of course it is. Um, Bouchard plays a little bit differently though, right? He doesn't rush the puck up the ice with the blazing speed and he almost has a little bit of a, bring the game to him type of type of skill, which, you know, creates room for other people. And I think it was just hard for people to get used to how that was going to adapt to the NHL. He did it really well in the AHL, but that's, again, lesser skill and lesser size and lesser speed. But it, it served him well this year. Uh, what his feeling is, I, I think he's easily a top-four defenseman, no doubt about it, um, with high-end potential to play both power play and penalty kill. And if he can take top-pairing minutes from time to time, that'd be great, too. Dash, uh, one one question for you, just regarding Connor McDavid and you know the national spotlight, not only Canada but down in the United States. Uh, we had Mike Rupp on the Jason Greger show yesterday, and he kind of had beef with you know one Connor McDavid needs to be highlighted on the, the TNT games more often, and two, why eight o'clock starts? You know that's ten o'clock out in Toronto, yeah. New York, Philly, Boston, Florida. You know all these other major markets where. You know, they might have gone to bed after 40 minutes, like it's just too late, and th- and then you don't get to see the Oilers erupt for three goals. Like, do you think the NHL needs to start to figure this out and find ways to get him on the marquee matchups? And you know, maybe it's the road games, but also change the schedule just a little bit and and put these games on at 6:30 or something. I would be all for that. There's no doubt about it. I mean, 
I live in Edmonton and I have a hard time staying up for those games sometimes. <laughs> that's what I have a two-year-old keeping me running around. Um, you know, I would love to see that. I would love to see more primetime games. I would love to see McDavid highlighted, Dreisaitl highlighted, the Oilers highlighted. We have something special here. I don't know if anybody can deny that, Edmontonian or not. You know, it, it, just we're, we're blessed to have these two players in our in our sight and in our grasp right now. And to watch what Connor McDavid does on the ice is, is magical. I think we should all be blessed and, and really thank our graces because, you know, uh, how often has anybody in the history of the league ever been touted to be faster with the puck? You know, and it's, but it's and it's not that it's untrue. It's just like the edge work he creates and the things that he does with the puck with head fakes and toe drags and and edge, and trying to just, just provide the seat to the other defenseman. He doesn't need to do that when he doesn't have the puck. So you only see him do these types of things with the puck, which makes him appear faster when he has it. It's crazy. It, it's, it's so fun to watch. Um, and the rest of the world needs to see it too. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, like I, I love having TNT and ESPN cover the NHL. Like I, I'm sure you saw the Jeremy Schapp uh, little feature on McDavid's goal against the Rangers. Like those are the things that can you know grow the game. Some kid watching down in maybe I don't know Iowa or Texas, they're like, holy For cow! Sure. I kind of want to watch this guy a little more often. The other sports do it so well. Like when. Uh, I don't know. Lamar Jackson's playing on primetime. I'm watching. You know, LeBron James or LeBron. Exactly. Yeah. Steph Curry, the, these superstars, they they try to grow it in with the NHL. It's like, yeah, we, we got the best player in the world playing against the guy who I think the casual hockey fan would say is the best player in the world in Sidney Crosby. And we're going to have it on 10 o'clock yeah. Eastern time. And not 10 o'clock, but like 10. 10 10 10 15 when you get the anthems and all the stuff done like it just makes no sense to me and that, that's one of the things that i wish the nhl would fi- would uh fix going forward uh, and it's not even like just mcdavid leon dreisaitl's top three in the world and still doesn't get the respect you. he deserves so anyways that's the that can be the end of my rant here the oilers this weekend they've got the seattle kraken what do you look out of that game and, and what do you hope to see from the oilers in that one what do I what do I like to see is for them to string together back to back wins. Uh, what I'd like to not see is them continue the pattern of coming off of big high emotional wins versus good teams and then uh, falling short against lesser teams the day after or the game after. So uh, you know I, I'd love to just see them play a solid game, sixty minutes, have a good start, and uh, and finish strong. And I think that's all they'll really need to out talent the Seattle Kraken. Um, LA looking ahead. Oh, that's a bit of a different story. He likes it. It's at home and we have some line matchups, but LA is that type of team that might be able to, uh, grind us down, right? They're, they're a little bit more, um, set up like, you know, say a St. Louis or a Winnipeg. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, we've, uh, we've done well adapting and, and outscoring our mistakes and winning in different ways up until now. But, uh, yeah, the next few games will be interesting. Yeah. We've got some demons to get off our back, I would think. Oh, absolutely. And or I mean, some bad habits to get rid of, whatever you want to call it. A quick trip out to the coast uh, to try to correct them. Uh, and then you've got, like you said, the matchup with the Kings on Sunday, a uh, 6 o'clock start or 5 o'clock start? Uh, I think 6 o'clock. Nice, a nice early one on a Sunday, which is quite refreshing. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. And like you said, hopefully the Oilers can string together some wins here and, and build off this win against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Dash, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, for those who want to hear the podcast, where can they find it? Uh, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter Live, Facebook Live, um, heavyhockey.com, or at heavyhockeynet on Twitter. Uh, thanks for having me. It was an absolute pleasure.
Straight off the post on the Heavy Hockey Network. Dash, thanks so much for doing this. I should say one more time, give him a follow on Twitter, at Dash in the Park. Really appreciate it. You as well. Take care. There you go. That is Dash in the Park, at Dash in the Park on Twitter. Make sure to give him a follow. Also check out the Straight Off the Post podcast, he and Mike Dursa, on the Heavy Hockey Network. Really appreciate him hopping on today. That was a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, he and uh, Mike had Struds and I on their podcast a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night, and uh, I felt a little bit out of place. Uh, you know, when they're asking questions about the Oilers, I had to kind of feel like I should let Jason Strudwick answer questions. He played a little more uh, high competitive hockey than I did, and his knowledge is just a little bit... Well, it's a little more vast than mine, but it was a lot of fun joining them on their podcast. Glad we could have uh, Dash on mine today discussing those Edmonton Oilers. Like we talked about, they're back in action. Over the weekend, they will take on the Seattle Kraken. It's one of those fun 8 o'clock puck drops. Of course, they're out on the West Coast, out in Seattle. That means pregame coverage. Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself, 6 to 8 for that one on Friday, then on Sunday, as we mentioned, it's a 6 o'clock puck drop, so we'll be on at 4.30 on TSN 1260. If you're looking for some pregame coverage, make sure to tune into TSN 1260. You can do so on your radio, you can stream online, or talk to your smart speakers. And that's going to wrap up another edition of this show. Really appreciate you tuning in today. We'll be back on a Tuesday morning to recap the weekend for the Oilers, currently sitting in first place in the Pacific Division. Of course, I say that on Thursday afternoon as we tape this. It could change on Friday or Saturday, depending when you're tuning in, but we shall see. I'm Connor Halley. It's the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.